Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And today we had a very, very special guest on. I'm so excited for people to listen to this episode. We had Marty Pavlich. He is 92 years old, 10-year NHL veteran, won four Stanley Cups with the Detroit Red Wings, was the assistant captain for many, many years, had such an influence on the game at the professional level back in the 40s and 50s. The guy's a living legend. Uh, it was unreal. And yeah. so with me today to talk about this, my co-host... Danny Heath. And this was the greatest conversation I have ever had. And that's not in the hockey world, sports world, relationship-wise. Hopefully my wife's not listening to this one, but... <laughs> It's the best conversation I've ever had. I was literally, uh, I, I was tearing up. I was laughing with joy. I was, it's all, I mean, it's, I'm at a loss for words. This is something that I'm going to listen to probably 150 times uh, within the next, you know, week. So I'm excited, super excited for this one, coach. Yeah, totally. I mean, while we were recording this, Danny was like texting me, being like a couple times saying, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Like the whole time. You know, yeah, so you know, I'm really excited for people to listen to this. You know, I was fortunate enough to know Marty uh, as a kid. Like when I was growing up, I used to caddy for him, and we talked hockey. He used to always give me advice when I was growing up and playing and stuff. And I kind of took it for granted. Now that I'm older, uh, you know, I look back and I'm like, holy cow, this guy literally is a living legend. I mean, he's a legend, legend in the game of hockey. And a lot of people today listening to the podcast probably don't know Marty Pavlich by name. But if you look up, like, go to Wikipedia or Lee Prospects or whatever Hockey TV, and like check out his profile and what he did literally four stanley cups and he I mean, he's 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 complaining that he didn't win more yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah it was awesome but it's just such a cool interview to talk to someone who's 92 years old you'd never expect it listening to the audio the guy's so sharp and uh and, and he's living the good life and he has such a uh, uh, an unbelievable career it's just really cool to be able to tap into his memories of all those legendary players back. I and mean, he played in the days of the original six. I mean, how many how many other people are you going to talk to that are like, oh yeah, I played. I was I was one of the original six teams. Unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. So, I think with that, we let's jump into it. This is Marty Pavlich. Played ten years in the NHL in the forties and fifties. Um, yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Hit, hit that like button and let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Originally hailing from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, he is a four-time Stanley Cup winner, four-time NHL All-Star for the Detroit Red Wings from 1947 to 1957, back in the days of the original six, old-time hockey. 
Over his 10-year NHL career, he played in 634 games, compiling 252 points and 454 penalty minutes, plus played in another 91 NHL playoff games. Today we've got hockey legend, all-around fantastic guy, and truly passionate ambassador for our game, Marty Pavlich. Thanks for coming on the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today, Marty? I'm doing just fine. That was a, quite an introduction there. That was very good. <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta line you out a little bit, Marty. Got to let everybody know that we got uh, everything you did to help our game and 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 be uh, a legend back in the uh, in the days of the original six with the Detroit Red Wings. Well, you know what? It was a life life. You know, uh, I I spoke at a lot of banquets and, and I, I tell a lot of young kids and stuff. You know, you gotta. I always set goals in life. Right from, and I knew at six and a half, seven years of age, what I wanted to be, what I wanted to be. And I wanted to be a hockey player. And I knew that. I, that was always in my mind. In my mind. I skated, skated, and skated and, uh, in my hometown, played school hockey, played midget hockey, played junior hockey all in one year. And, uh, and then when the Red Wings scouted me when I was 16, when they said, oh, you're too young, you're too young to leave home, I said, Ma, I'm going. <laughs> this is my chance. So when the Red Wings scouted me, and thank God I was a Red Wing fan at the time, because usually kids from Canada is either Toronto or Montreal, but I always liked Detroit because we were only 350 miles away from Detroit. And uh, then I played my junior junior hockey in golf, which was their major team in Canada, and I was like, the first camp I went to, there was about 40 kids there, and I said, oh, what am I doing here? So then all of a sudden, after the first week, I said, well, I eliminated about 25 of them. I said, I think I made the team. So after that, I became captain of the team, and, uh, and, uh, and then they brought me up when I was 19, 19 with the Red Wings. Yep. That's awesome. Um, before we go too deep into your Red Wings career and your NHL career and your four-time Stanley Cup winner. Um, tell us a little bit more in depth about what you're talking about as far as, like, before you joined the Red Wings, what was what was your training like and what were practices like and what were uh, pregame rituals like uh, in junior hockey and, and a little bit before that in your youth hockey? Well, junior hockey, you know, when we were, at, we were in junior hockey, you know, that was major junior. There was kids from all across Canada. Uh, you know, because uh, the, they draft them, and they draft them with different. In those days, they used to uh, go into a town, like they'd go to the Sioux or go someplace else uh, in Canada, and they would sponsor a team. So those players kind of, kind of belonged to the Red Wings, you know, and that's the way they did it those days. So we had we had uh, quite a few kids, and uh, you know, we training camp was training camp, just a lot of skating and and, and so forth. But we all had to either go to school or uh, have a job, which they would arrange for us to have. And uh, mm. we would we would uh, practice every evening, you know, at, at maybe 7 o'clock or so, and then we'd skate for a couple of hours and work out. And uh, did nothing unusual, not like they do today. I mean, we didn't have any equipment, uh, uh, weightlifting equipment or stuff like that in the dressing room. That was kind of the oddball thing to do. We never thought we had to do that. But as I've gotten older and watched these kids today, that's all they do. You know, a lot of the guys, they come out of, they come out of their game and they get right on the bike for 45 minutes and they do other things. 
so it's a different different era. We're totally a different era than what I played. But uh, you know, we had a lot of good hockey players. We had a lot of tough hockey players because we came out of the Second World War. We came out of the Depression, and uh, everybody was uh, wanted to be wanted to get ahead in life. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's you know old time hockey. I mean, that was that was a you you played back in the day when that was a real man's game, Marty, and it was it was tough back then. You mentioned the Great Depression, World War, um, but I mean, you you played for ten years for the Detroit Red Wings. You you put up some you know you put up some big numbers when you were playing for them too offensively. Um, but I know that you know you're talking about being tough, and I know that your one of your main roles as uh, the Wings it was a big part of why they were so successful in your career. Was you were really that that defensive forward, that that checking role and, and penalty kill role, and, and kind of that, you know, really making it hard for the other team to play against. Can you talk a little bit about what your role was for the Red Wings? Oh, oh, that? oh, sure, sure. You know, you know what happened was when I played junior hockey, uh, I was I was on the first line, and you know I was scoring goals. I would get you know twenty five, thirty goals a year, and uh, when I came to the Red Wings, you know, and uh, when they brought me up, uh, you know, the Tommy Ivan was our coach at that time, and he came in one day and he says, you know, I want to make a check-in line. I want you guys to check the top lines in the league. And that was my job for 14 times a year for 10 years to check Rocket Grishard from the Montreal Canadiens. And he was the greatest goal scorer of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And I had to slow him down, and I did a pretty good job. Did a pretty good job. I got to tell you a kid's story. Uh, one time, he was coming around the net, and I hit him really good. And I happened to cut him, you know, by accident. I didn't run into it on purpose. But he went. Just uh, tell you how tough they were in those days. So then he got mad, and he got a he got a he got a penalty, and I was out there killing the penalty. Uh, we got a penalty, and I was out killing the penalty. And then he 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 came along and out of the penalty box and. Uh, at that time, I was just back in our end, and Bob Golub was throwing the puck up to me, and he said, Marty, look out, and I ducked, because I cut him. He was so mad, he just scraped the top of my head with the stick. <laughs> and, you know, if he would have hit me at the forehead, he would have killed me right there. And I said, boy, oh, boy, this has got to stop. i got to do some things different with this guy. So every once in a while, as the years went along, I started to score a goal against him once in a while, and I'd say, Rocket. Look out! I'm hot tonight, and he started to laugh, and we became the best of friends. <laughs> That's an awesome story, and it's it's yeah, crazy you know, to you think. You gotta think. There's there's only 120 of us in the league. There were only six teams. You knew everybody. You knew you knew when they got up. You know the when they went to bed. You know what they ate. You, I mean, they had a book on everybody. You, I mean, it was a different. I mean, the checking was so different in our day. We we had a we had a shut down teams. There was. There weren't many games that were nine nothing or six five or seven two two one three two four three maybe you know so forth and so on. There were some good teams, and of course, we got at that time we we started to come in as we uh, come in as kids. Uh, Gordy Howe, Ted Lindsay, and Red Kelly, the four of us came in and used to call us the dead end kids. So that was a whole bunch of comedy guys that are on television or not on television but the movies and the four of us were always together because we were the young ones and we had the older guys come back from the war years so we had a tremendous mixture in Detroit it was unbelievable those 
10 years. I would argue, like a lot of people say, you know, the game was obviously different. There was way less teams back then. And for me, my argument is, for me, that sounds harder. Like, because you're playing against guys that you know so well. You know where they're going to turn. You know how they're going to shoot. You're going to know all these things. And so, I mean, what what was that kind of like just day in and day out? Like, you didn't really have a night off where maybe you didn't know somebody. And, and was, there, was there a lot of strategy that went into, oh, like, what was well, a pre- – pre-game meeting like? Well, we always had a meeting. We had a meeting before the game. We, we, matter of fact, we had a meeting at, uh, in the morning on the day of the game. We had to come down the rink, check our sticks. See, our sticks were all taped well and stuff and so forth. Our skates were sharp and all that stuff. I mean, we had trainers to do that, but we taped our own sticks. That's the way every player, hockey player likes to do it. And, uh, yeah, we, we always had meetings that we knew. We knew certain guys did certain things, and we knew a certain goaltender did certain things. And yeah. we discussed those, and we started a strategy how we were going to play. And we'd go out there and, and kind of perform. You figure, you know, you got, as I said, you played, you played uh, each team 14 times a year. You're bound to get to know them. You know, you just... And there was good hockey players in those days and a lot of tough hockey players in those days. You know, that a lot of guys that are playing today would not have been able to play in our day. I mean, not that I'm knocking them down today, but it's a totally a different game today. It, it, it's a European game today. It's not a North American game anymore. All it is today is, is skate, skate, skate for 45 seconds. 45 seconds, yeah. and they want you to come on. All right? Our day, I was out there for two minutes. Yeah. And I would say, yeah. um, I, I just had this conversation with somebody about like, if you were to pull someone like yourself or the rocket and say, could they play in today's age? And, and I always bring it back. Like, could somebody that plays today play back then? And I, to me, it's no way like the game, the game was different. It, it was played in a, in a different style and a different yeah. mindset and it created Perfect. what we have now. And so, I don't know. It's just, it's more of a comment than a question, but um, definitely, definitely was a man's game there. And if you weren't um, ready at all times, I feel like you, you might get hit in the head with a, a rocket slap shot or something. So, <laughs> but you know, uh, as far as speed, I mean, I could escape it with these guys today. I had enough speed. I, I know that. I'm not doubt that. And I just, I'm one of those guys that I hate to lose. I hate to lose no matter what I do. And, and that's the kind of guys we had. You know, you beat us today, you better be better tomorrow because we're going to kick your butt tomorrow because we're that type. We hate to lose. And that's the type of team we had. We had, I mean, you you figure uh, the team we had in 51-52, we beat Montreal, we beat Toronto four straight, we beat Montreal four straight in the playoffs, and Sachak didn't allow one goal in Detroit. We could have played all summer that team because you got to have that chemistry. You got to have that chemistry. You got to have those guys that are wanting to win and a totally different today. I mean, actually these guys don't see, they sometimes they don't see some other teams for the whole year. Marty, you said, you said, I love it that you're saying you could skate with these guys today. And I believe it. Cause I'll tell you what I, this morning before our call, I found a video online of you getting a shorthand, you're penalty killing and you're getting a shorthanded breakaway and you're flying through the neutral zone and then score. And I showed my wife and she was like, holy cow, Marty can move. 
And <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me, especially because the equipment was so different and you know, heavier. And oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'd love to see you skate in today's equipment, but uh, tell me about that goal that you scored. Do you, I got to tell you, that's, I was going to tell you that. I got to tell you, that's a, that's kind of a cute story. You know, we're, we're warming up. I'm, I kill, I kill most of the penalties. I kill most of the penalties on the team along with Tony last week at Scobie. And, but we were, we were warming up that night. That night we were playing Montreal in the playoffs. I think it was the second game or first game, whatever it was. And uh, Johnny Wilson was next to me and I said, Johnny, we were shooting. I said, Johnny, where the hang would you put the puck if you got a breakaway on Pallant? He says, Marty, we used to beat him up high in junior hockey, up high. Well, you know what? I've been watching Harvey and Boom Boom on the points for the Montreal Canadiens. They were, and I was killing the penalty. And I said, uh, one of the days, Harvey always fakes the shot that he throws it across. I said, Harvey, I'm going to catch you one of these days, one of these days. Sure enough, that night, I went out towards Harvey. He had the puck. And I faked my body. I put my body towards him. And I threw my stick out the other way. And sure enough, he threw the puck out, hit my stick stick and buck went out the center race and I was gone. And I I didn't think anything else. I just gave uh plot a little bop and a weave and I said I went upstairs and that's that's you know the whole story. <laughs> that's awesome. Just sniping, just uh, just lighting up Jacques Plant. <laughs> cool yeah. <laughs> but we had we had oh God I mean we had so many guys. And matter of fact, Gordy Howell was in the penalty box when I scored the goal. So, but it was the, it was the winner of the night. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. Speaking speaking yeah. of Gordy Howell, like there's no secret that he's a legend of our game. Do you have oh, any yeah. Do you have any memories that stand out about him, oh. or any oh. cool stories about the one of the greats? Well, you know, he and I he used to come after the season. He came up to my home to the zoo, and then we go up. My brother and I had a fishing camp. We'd have to go up by rail and walk in about four or five miles and fish. You know, he loved to, he loved to fish, loved to fish. Anyway, we always, we, I'll tell you a cute story. We were, we played a game, we played a game in Boston and we lost. And, and Gordy Howe, Ted Lindsay, and Red Kelly and myself, we went out to, buy, to get a bite to eat after because we were going into New York the next day. So we lost, and Howell and Lindsay were terrible in uh, that game. And I'm kind of the raw, raw guy, whatever, holler guy in the dressing room. And I, I go to Gordy, I say, you big son of a gun, you're the best, best, best hockey player in the world, and Christ, you're lousy out there. You're not doing the job for crying out loud. He said, well, you're a good hockey player. I said, hell, I couldn't carry your jockstrap. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I said, Come on, you can do it. So we go into New York, we lay over, play the next night. He gets in the fight, kicks the hang out of somebody, and scores three goals. Didn't Marty Pavlich do his job? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds like he did. <laughs> yeah, he was just—he was just a big, easy kid when he first came with, with the Red Wings. You know, he—he, he, I mean, you couldn't. You know, some of the fans would boo him a little bit because he was just slow moving, so smooth and stuff. And uh, and uh, and then they realized that you know, geez, this guy can move and can score goals. And the thing is, he had an 18 neck, and he had sh uh, shoulders were sloped, and he had arms like Popeye, and he didn't lift weights. But what he did, 
he threw cement bags working with his dad in the summer. <laughs> that, that, those are stories. Those are true stories. That's awesome. He was, Who needs he was, he was, on cement? <laughs> he, he, sat beside, he sat beside me for 10 years. You know, he worried about making the regulars crash. Of course, he, <laughs> what the hell are you worried about making the regulars? I'm the guy that's got to keep pounding. <laughs> oh, boy. That's fantastic. Was, you know, uh, yeah. Marty, I, I'd love to uh, hear about maybe a couple of the other players you played with. I mean, we, we, you played with like Ted Lindsay, Sid Abel, Red Kelly, Glenn Hall, Terry Sachuk, Al Arbor, Johnny Busick, Del Vecchio. Um, but what about? I know you're you had a you had a long history with with Ted Lindsay. Can you maybe share some, some oh, stories about him? Oh, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy was Teddy weighed Teddy was five foot eight, one hundred sixty five pounds, and you cut him for five, and he'll cut cut you for ten, guaranteed. <laughs> he was the, the, the if I gotta have fifteen guys take the heck out of me in the trenches, that's who I want to be with me. We're going to go down. But we're going to take a few people, I'll tell you. He was just a one hell of He's the guy that forced how, I think, in, in the early days of his career, Gordy, Teddy was such a forcer, and playing with him, they were, and then they had Sid Abel as the captain in, in, in their center, and he was quite a bit older, and that was just one hang of a line. They called that the production line at that time. And, and, uh, and yeah, that he he helped Gordy push Gordy a little bit and made him into what a great hockey player that he was. Yeah, yeah he was quite a guy. And then of course, Ted yeah. and I after hockey went into the business world and all of that. Yeah, well, I've, I've I lost two, two questions about Ted Lindsay for you, if you don't mind, Marty. Uh, you oh. know, I know, I know uh, that you you two were in business together outside of hockey, and and I and. You know, he Ted Lindsay's credited with kind of the beginning of the NHLPA, the NHL Players Association, and you know I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that you were kind of involved in that as well. Can you? Would you be all right talking about that situation a little bit? Oh, sure, sure, sure. What happened was uh, that's quite a story. That's quite a story. It was very much in my career, anyway. What happened was that we were putting ninety dollars a paycheck ten times a year into our pension plan. We found out, kind of found out that the owners were only putting in 60. They were supposed to match us. Ted Lindsay went to a big sports banquet in Cleveland, and Bob Feller was there, the pitcher, the great pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. And Bobby was the head of the Players Association for baseball. So Kenny was telling the story, and, he's, and, Kenny, and uh, Bob Feller said to Kenny, why don't you see our attorneys in New York, Mr. Mound, and uh, tell me your story? So we did that. Next next fall, we went back into New York. We met with Mr. Mound, and he wanted us to become unionized right away. So that we told him our story, and he said, "I said, well, you know what? You know, we were Canadian kids, and we were weren't educated that much. We said, well, we don't want to really disrupt the folk too much. But anyway, we said we'll cover players' association." So what happened was we uh, we gave him all the information we had, and he realized that, you know, we got a good chance here to, to do something about this and get you guys better better attention plan. So then what, what happened was then, and then we got back, and Teddy went around the league and, and, uh, and talked to the, the captains of all the teams. And every team, every team, uh, then we had to have a vote, and, but we had all had to put in a hundred dollars a piece. So you thought the hundred twenty guys had to put a hundred dollars, except one guy that didn't, 
and that was Peter Kennedy, the captain of Toronto Maple Leafs. He said, I won't put the money in. He said, I won't get involved. But he said, I won't squeal. So we were keeping this very quiet. And then what happened was we had to have a vote in the whole league. I, I, but before the vote, before the vote, they traded Lindsay to Chicago. I had been out to Jackson Hole on a vacation, came back. I had a top contract. And Mr. Adams says, uh, what do you want to do? I said, hell, I'm just 29 years old. He said, well, I tried to trade you, and nobody wanted you, and I'm going to send you to the miners. I said, you're not sending me anywhere. I quit. And that was the smartest thing I ever did. I didn't know at the time, but that was the smartest thing I ever did. And then the whole thing, they voted, and every team passed it except Detroit. Because Gordy, that's why we, Gordy had a lot of times, we did, a lot of us didn't like Gordy for a while because he let us down at the time. He was the key guy. And uh, that tells you the story of how the union got started. Then about, oh, what about what I'm saying, about maybe seven or eight years later, a lot of us got into business and stuff like that. We put in a lot more money, and we got the best attorneys in Canada, and they got went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court were older people. They knew all of us. Sure enough, we turned around and beat them for about $40 million. Party. That's your story. They're making it up to us now. They're trying to make it up to us now, but it's it's a pension plan that wasn't, wasn't that good. And, you know, it's not so much for me at the time because I got into business and things were working out. It was tough the three, first three, four years, but then after that, it started to work out real good. Plus some of my other teammates, the teammates that I hadn't done well, you know, they needed that. Anyway, it's all worked out. Sounds like you, know, you got it done. <laughs> That's the way it was in those days, you know. There were just six teams. They could control whatever they wanted. <laughs> it's awesome that you got that done. And and speaking of getting it done, you, you've won four Stanley Cups, which to me is crazy. Uh, go the only ahead. Regret I, the only regret I have, and Teddy and I, before he passed away, and I used to read Kelly and Gordy, we used to chat, chat about it over the years. We should have won another three. We were, we were I mean, we had enough talent. But we gave away so much talent. We gave away Sacha. We gave away Busey. We gave away Horvath. We gave away Stacia. We traded good players away to other teams. And that, then what, we were giving away Cadillacs, and we were getting back Chevettes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we weren't getting the same brand that we were giving away. And it yeah. took us, you know, it made it a little tougher to win at that time, but we should have won it with the talent we had. We should have, we would have kept that. We could have won another three Stanley Cups. Yep. So I believe you when you say you hate losing, because I was just talking about you winning four, and you just spent the last couple minutes talking about how you should have won more. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just the idea, you know. As a kid, you know, you, you I, I say it over and over, and I tell young people, and, and I, I get involved with over the years and stuff. You gotta set goals. You gotta have something. Don't blame. I tell kids. I said, you know, you can't blame the school teacher. You can't blame the coach. You can't blame. You can't blame your mom and dad. I said, you gotta look in the mirror in the morning. You look in the mirror in the morning, and you like that face. You got it made. I'm, I'm 92 years old. I look in there, and I said, you did a good job, pal, because you can't cheat on yourself. You gotta put the effort into life on your own. 
and I, I've spoken Absolutely. to a lot of family, a lot of kids over the years, and I've got a lot of letters back and kids that have turned it around and gone the right way and have been very successful, very, very successful. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Let's dive into, you want to just take us through maybe one of your cup runs or all four of them? I mean, I'll sit here and listen all day if, if, you, if you want to well, talk about them. Oh, sure, sure. The first one, of course, you know, that's any kid. You know, a lot of guys that played in the National Hockey League for 15, 16, 17 years and never won a cup. Never won a cup. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the goal of a Canadian kid. You know, you want to win the Stanley Cup. You want to get your name on the Stanley Cup. And this year, this year is the first time that my name is not on the cup anymore. Not on the main cup. It, they make bands. There's bands that go around the cup, you know, and they put yep. every year, every year, every year. So it's been uh, 50-some years or whatever it is. And ours just came off came off this year, the last one. So it'll go on. It'll go on to another cup in the Hall of Fame, and all the bands will be there. But you, I mean, you, you never lose being on it. So the no, first one, on that of course, for life. Yeah. So the first one was, you know, we were, we were, we were playing against New York, and New York, <laughs> the the the, uh, the circus came into the stadium in, in New York at Madison Square Garden. So they had to play their games in Toronto. Yeah, I guess it was in Toronto. Toronto. So we had to play games with them at their home ice. So we played, and then, of course, uh, we, we played, and we get in the way of seven games, and, and uh, we, we beat them, and Pete Papando scored the winning goal that night. And that was the first one. The second one, of course, was uh, in 52, and that one was uh, was awesome. <laughs> That's the year we won it for uh, eight straight games. We won eight straight games. And we had the first two games, there was some mix-up, and we had to play. We had home ice advantage against Montreal, but we had to play the first two games in Montreal. We went in there, beat it both times, and came right back home and finished it up. And then you're just happier and hang. You know, and then the, the third one, the third one was in the, the 54. That one was just a little bit. Uh, you know, we had, we had a, we had a we were losing some players at the time and. And it got a little bit more of a struggle, but we had enough guys that 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 leadership, and the will to win, and we won on won that one. And of course, the one in '55 that was an awesome one because we had a lot of new young guys, and we got them thinking the right way. And of course, we went on to win. You got to have leadership. You got to have leadership. You got to have chemistry in the dressing room, or you never win. Never win. Yeah, that Marty. That was kind of one of my next questions for you. Is what do you think? You know separated those teams that won uh, and made those teams special, you know, for anybody that's listening, maybe it's some a takeaway or a piece of advice that, you know, what, what helped make those, those four teams that won the cup so special in your mind? Well, I, I, I think it is that we kept most of the same guys, you know, we kept the same guys and guys that don't want to lose. You know, I mean, we had Sid Abel for a couple of those cups and then they got rid of him. But then we came in, we had Normie Alban. And, and, and Johnny Busick and guys like that, kids coming in. And, of course, <clears throat> uh, each year, you, you, you know, they always get to the part where they get better the team, the better the team. But I think what happened through the era that I played, you know, Montreal and Toronto and Detroit were always fighting. They were always up there. Boston, New York, and Chicago, they were always down lower. They were down the lower. I think they were trying to, the six owners were trying to build the league a little bit more 
normalized, or not normalized, but more even. And, uh, and we they always made trades. And after winning, I'd say, why the hell do we have to make a trade? <laughs> you know, just keep what we got. We're winning. <laughs> but Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hey, yeah. so Marty, I was looking back uh, through your career a little bit, and I, I don't know if you're going to remember this or not, but back in your cup run in 1952, which, by the way, to win the Stanley Cup undefeated through the playoffs is unbelievable. I mean, what an accomplishment yeah. undefeated. And yeah. back then, um, the, the tradition in Detroit of throwing the octopus onto the ice, that happened for the first time in 1952 during the cup run with the, uh, you know, the eight legs of the octopus representing the eight uh, victories needed to, to win the cup. That's exactly right. So do you remember when that happened? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the Cosmo, Cosmo brothers had a fish market, and they're big hockey fans, big hockey fans. And, of course, after later on, they had restaurants and stuff. But anyway, they were, the Italian family had this, had this fish market, and uh, uh, we were going along, going along, you know, four straight, then on five straight, six straight, and then he started, he threw the octopus on for eight straight. <laughs> and that's that's how it all started. And then after that, uh, they started selling T-shirts and other things with the octopus on it. It was funny, but that's when it started. Uh, we won it eight straight that year, and they were the ones and the people that, that did it. Yep, they were great hockey fans. Detroit had a lot of great hockey fans because you were close to Canada, right there at Windsor. And then every time Toronto and Montreal would play, of course, all those Canadians would come over. You know, cheer for their Canadian teams, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's how it all started. Though, yeah, yeah, it went uh, on for years, years, years. Yeah, yeah, it's gone on forever, and I didn't, I didn't know that story until until we did kind of the briefing for this, and so it's, it's just, I mean, it's just another monumental yeah. part of our game that you got to see firsthand, which is uh, something I'm jealous of. But uh, you obviously yeah. earned that time, and. Um, so jumping a little bit around here, Ted, Ted Lindsay, we've talked about him already. He's your buddy, business partner, teammate. He was credited with being the first player to ever hoist the cup above his head and, and skate around with it. Uh, kind That's of, right. I mean, it's my dream. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen anymore, but <laughs> maybe I'll be a GM one day. Uh, but can you talk about that experience and what that was like? Oh, sure. You know, those days, I think won the first the first one we won, you know, they put the cup on a on a table and center ice, and then uh, they, they you know they gave it to uh, to the general manager and then Lindsay. You know, you're standing around, you just around. You we never never had it in the dressing room. They just take it away and it's gone. And then all of a sudden, Teddy said, "You know what? Hey, I'm going to grab this thing," and which he did, and skated around the rink, and it was a huge success. And that's how it all started because they never, they never brought in. All they used to do is bring in the center ice and then take it back. And so we'd never see the cup again. You know, I never saw my, I never saw the cup with my name on it till I was on the on the board at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Is that right? <laughs> you know, wow. Years, years later, yeah. <laughs> you saw it in print, but you didn't see it. Right, you hold it in your hand. You know, oh and God. take out of the top, which they do now. They bring it in the dressing room. And, it's a beautiful, beautiful trophy. Beautiful. It's, a, it's the biggest trophy in, in sports. It Why is. Not? Yeah, it is. 100% agree with yeah. you, Marty. And, and this is uh, 
something that really, you know, I've known Marty for a long time. And when I was a kid, Marty, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I used to, I used to caddy for Marty, uh, carry his clubs and we'd, we'd golf and talk hockey. And uh, there was one day, Marty, after our round that you brought me back to your house and you showed me your trophy case. And in that trophy case, and I, I, I was maybe 12 years old. And I remember this vividly. There was, um, you had your, your kind of like silver, they look like plates. They look like something that you would win that they give out at a, a winning a tennis championship now, but you had all of those right. from every, uh, regular season championship you guys won. And then you also had right. back then, cause they didn't give out rings when you won Stanley cups. They gave out like no, no. the bowls. Can you talk about those, those yeah, bowls that you guys got when you yeah, won? They gave, they gave the top of the Stanley cup, that bowl, the top of the Stanley cup. They engraved that, all that with your name and the year and the Stanley Cup winners and stuff like that. And, you know, those tra- those plates and all that stuff. You know, Peter, we, uh, we, we went on a streak at one time. We were in first place seven years in a row. Then we were second and we were eight, eight out of nine years we were in first place. We were on a school. We were, we were just stuck. I mean, we were just a hell of a club. It was great, great, great. I mean, it was just, we just had great, great teammates and great uh, chemistry on the team that we just kept on going. Yep. Yeah. The only regret they have is that we should have won three more Stanley Cups. <laughs> Competitor. Yeah, he's still pissed about that. Um, well, Mark, the, so it's hard to explain on a podcast, but the, t- the trophies that I mentioned that, that Marty had, I, I still think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's like, it's a it's the exact top of the cup, the top bowl, right? And so Marty's got a right, exactly. couple of those. And Marty, can you tell the story about how what happened in the? I think it was maybe in, was in the nineties, early two thousand, when the the Red Wings won again, and you you brought those, you busted out those cups for uh, down at the corral. Down at the corral bar. Well, I told I told uh, David House, and, 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 uh, and I said, you know what? I said, you guys are cut the game on, and you want to celebrate? I said. I think they're going to win it. I'll bring the top of the cup down, and uh, and uh, we got a bottle, a couple of bottles of champagne, and poured it, toured it around the restaurant. <laughs> it was it was a, a kind of a fun thing, and they all enjoyed it. They all saw the top of the Stanley Cup, which was pretty nice. Um, it's awesome. I'm just kind of in awe a little bit of these stories. But one thing that. I want to talk about because it always jumps out at me is just the different mindsets of people like yourself that have been there, done that and done it at the highest level. And the idea that like you said, your goal from when you were a kid was to win the Stanley cup. Is that, is that a pretty common thing for, so so I'm a U.S. born hockey player and it seems like every U.S. born hockey, U.S. born hockey player's goal is to get a scholarship and play college hockey. Uh, When you were were growing up, what has what happened over oh, quite a few years. When I quit playing in 1957, I said, you know, the American kid is good in football, good in basketball, good in baseball, but there's not enough parents or grandparents or enough ice for the American kids in hockey. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start hockey schools, a hockey school. And I started a hockey school in Detroit and it grew up to be pretty good size. And then it went up. We had to go up to Port Huron at the big rake there and had it there. We had kids from all over the country come. And I invited I invited uh, certain coaches to come in. And we started up. And from that, I proved my point. I said, 
I'm going to coach these kids, coach these kids. Some of these kids I had repeated for four or five years in a row. They would come to the school. And some of them, some of them became, a, got a free ride into college. And a few of them made the National Hockey League. And the thing is that all those kids needed was to get some good coaching. They're like Canada, every grandmother, grandfather, uncle, aunt, cousin, know a little bit about hockey. The United States, they didn't know that much. Now, we go, we, and my kids used to go to Canada, and Canada would spot us by 10 goals and beat us by 10. We go over there now, we kick their butts. We <laughs> kick their butts. We win. We yeah. win. A lot of people are now the number one draft, most of the number one draft picks today, uh, first, have been American kids. And that just tickles me. When you get a guy like Matthews who's playing in Toronto, he's from Arizona. You know, yep. <laughs> he's a guy. So that's what thrills me to death, that the American kid now is as good as anybody. Absolutely. And awesome, Matthew. We're both, I grew up in Arizona too, so that's kind of close to, to home when you talk about guys like yeah. that. But can we talk talk a little bit about just your mindset? And you've mentioned a few times that you just, you hate losing. You hate, uh, you, you should have won three more Stanley Cups and, and all these different things. Is that something that, that you're preaching to, to younger hockey players when you go and talk to them? It's just like, I mean, I, I'm sure you're a lot like most of my buddies that are hockey players. Like, they hate losing at board games. They hate losing at uh, anything. And so is that, is that something that you pass along or something that you talk about? I do. I do. I, I always tell young people, and I get kids, as I said before, I said, you know, have a goal. Have a goal. Set a goal. What you want to be? I mean, you might change your mind along the way, but at least something you got direction that you have. It makes life so much easier when you know. Now it's not going to be easy. I know the first year, my first four four years in my business life, you know, I had jobs offered to me better than I more money than I made playing hockey. But we didn't make big money in those days. I broke in as a 19 year old kid in 1947, and my first contractor contract was six thousand dollars and i thought i died and went to heaven i've never seen so much money you know <laughs> because there, there were times i mean i built uh, by, in the war years i built army camps close to my and i was 14 or 15 years old and they needed anybody and i was working for a contract and i was making 47 cents an hour yeah so thanks for taking but anyway i i tell these kids you got to set you got to set some example in my first four years of business I didn't put her. I didn't put a red cent in the bank. You know, I was almost, I was just almost drowning. But I said I believed in what I wanted to do. Because I had jobs offered to me, and I didn't. I wanted to work for myself, and that's how that's how it happened. And it became after that, as the old saying goes, it came in wheelbarrows. Yeah. You know, it was just everything was going good, <laughs> but you had to put the effort. You know, anybody says, Marty, you're lucky. I'll punch you right in the nose. Yeah, eight days a week, 18 hours a day. That's how lucky I was. <laughs> you know? I love it. I love it, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, young guys, the true story of, of, of my life. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Marty, you, uh, you mentioned something just in passing there, which is amazing to me that it's just in passing, but you mentioned your, your involvement with the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Can you talk, like, what, what are, what's your involvement or, or was your involvement with the Hockey Hall of Fame? And, and can you just explain a little bit how you've, you, you've played a Oh, yeah, sure. 
when I was I was at uh, Scotty Morrison was the chairman of the Hall of Fame, and Scotty was a referee uh, back in my day, and he came to Detroit uh, one time for I don't know for some special occasion, and he said, Marty, would you mind? coming on and being on the nominating committee at the Hall of Fame. I said, Scotty, I would love it. I said, I would love it. I said, I think what you guys have done over the years, and I said, some of the guys that they let in over the years should never be in there. And I, and I, and I told him, I said, there's about 10 or 15 guys that don't belong in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I played with those guys. All of us do that. But they had to put somebody in. And he said, that's the kind of guy we want. So I went I went to the first meeting, and it was in the, in Quebec City at that time, the meeting uh, for the Hall of Fame. And the uh, first year we had a meeting, nobody got in. And that just tickled me to death. And uh, after that, people that got in really deserved to be in. Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, what happened was that Scotty Morrison, who was ahead of the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, came into Detroit for a special event and uh, I happened to be there and he said, geez, Marty, would you mind, would you think ever think of becoming on the uh, nominating committee for the Hall of Fame? I said, well, I'd love that. I said, Scotty, I've been, you know, I think of that. I, over the years, I looked at some of the people you guys have let in. I said, I don't think really belong in the hall. And he said, I agree with you, but those are the things that happen. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I went there and, and started the meetings, and, and uh, the first meeting I was in, it was in Quebec City, and uh, that's where they had us at that time, because they moved around the country. And uh, that year, we had a vote, and uh, nobody got in. So that's that was kind of nice to see that maybe maybe we're getting a little bit more serious about who we put in the Hall of Fame. I think a guy that goes in the Hall of Fame should be really, really a Hall of Famer, uh, totally. And... I mean, I don't think you should give give away any of these <clears throat> if come if come. And there's been a few of those, but those things will always happen no matter what we do in life. There's some things get by. And uh, I had yeah. 14 years. I had 14 years, and then I retired because I just didn't know some of the newer, younger players that were coming up. I didn't know too much about them. I wasn't watching that carefully, and I didn't play against any of those guys. So. I didn't know much too much about that. That's when I I retired, but I had 14 years there. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, because I know when I looked up uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame database, you're you're listed in there. So now, Marty, could be now with your involvement in that in that. Like I, I just don't know the answer to this question. Where are you in the in the Hall of Fame, or are you just part of the the nomination committee? What was your relationship there? Well, no, I did not. At my time, uh, I've been told I've been told numerous times if. Now they put guys that are defensive forwards and stuff like that, especially things have gotten in. But in my day, that none of those guys got in, so I didn't get in either. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll yeah. make a push. I, I think uh, they made a mistake, so we'll make a push to get you get you in that. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, okay. I know there's. I'm in the Hall of Fame yeah. in my hometown, and that, that's good enough. <laughs> Absolutely. Plus your name's on the cup, but I know there's a, I know there's guys, uh, in the hall of fame with a lot less on their resume than you. So, uh, you're a hall of famer in my book. I'll tell you that. Um, a big part uh, of what we're trying to do with the podcast is just leave this game better than we found it. And with you having 
tons of knowledge in the game of hockey. And I mean, your whole, your whole life's been hockey, which is unbelievable. And so do, do you have any advice for, for players that are, that are playing the game, like youth hockey players right now? Do you have anything that you'd want to reach out and say, Hey, I, I just want all you youth hockey players to hear this. Well, I think, I think what I, I, I like about the kids today, I mean, if you got a chance, uh, you know, education is very important. But if you, you can always get an education. My theory is that if you've got the talent and the ability, take advantage of it. Then you can go in the summertime and get your education or whatever you want. I'm not against that. And I think some of them that are good enough, they should go and, and they get a chance to play in college. Cool. There's been quite a few kids that came out of college into the National Hockey League, and I agree with that. I'd like to see. I'm just thrilled to death to see the way the American kids are, are are really exploding in the National Hockey League, and it's all over the United States. That's the thing that I like because I love the game. I love the game. I love every bit of it, and I think our kids are as good as any. And uh, and uh, I just like to see them. When you get the chance, don't lose it. Don't get the chance. When you get the chance to lose it, I I knew what I wanted. Education was secondary at that time, but you know, you learn. You learn you learn as you go along and you can improve your education as you go along too. Awesome, Marty. Awesome. Yes. Well let's let's talk about some more advice for uh, you know, like Danny Danny here is a, a hockey coach. I'm a I'm a hockey coach as you know, Marty and you know, we got a lot of cocky coaches listening as well, and they can make a big impact on their their players. So, um, what about uh, what advice would you extend out to hockey coaches, American, Canadian, or European, anywhere? What advice would you have for hockey coaches that would be listening right now? I would think today, today, and uh, uh, as a coach, you got to stress skating. Skating is the number one thing today. They look at speed, speed, speed. And that is the key thing. And to be a good coach, I'll tell you, there's Scotty Bowman, Mike Babcock, Tommy Ivan. These are good coaches because you have to be disciplined. And you've got to make the kids realize, hey, we're going to practice. We're going to practice for an hour. No fooling around. We're going to boom, boom, boom. Run your practices. Get them well organized. So you know before you go on the ice what you're going to do. And get it organized so those kids get a hole. When they come out of there, they're soaking wet. Then you know you've done a good job. For sure. Is there Are there any coaches that you've had along the way that, that really stood out to you? Oh, my first coach. I mean, i never forget. Benny Littner, my coach at... Uh, Sioux Technical School. I was there just one year, and I played for him for, for two years, and uh, he taught me the fundamentals of the game, how to catch a pass, how to give a pass, and, and so forth. He was number one. He was number one at my age at that time was very important, was very, very important. And, of course, Tommy Ivan, Tommy Ivan, the coach that I had with Detroit, Tommy was very good. He, he handled his players just to perfection. He knew when you needed a little bit of tenderness and you need a little bit, we need a little bit chewing out sometimes, but he do when they do it. Sometimes some people, you know, you chew them out all the time and then you lose them. They're not going to play for you too well, but he had a good idea how to handle it. And, and then these are the couple of coaches that I had that I really liked. And the, the last guy I had was Jimmy Skinner. Jimmy was a player and he coached us and we won the Stanley Cup in 55. And <laughs> he was just a regular guy. You know, he was not maybe the, 
most outstanding coach, but he did the job. Yeah, you know, you, when, you, when you're coaching, when you're coaching, and you guys are coaching, even at this age that you have these kids, you gotta have the discipline there. You gotta make them realize the discipline has got to be there. You gotta pay attention. You know, if they don't, make them sit, put them in the corner, or put them on the bench for a while, and not use as Tom as uh, Scotty Bowman used to do the Shanahan. The great, one of the great goal scorers for the Red Wings. Shanahan wants to do this, do that. Scotty said, you do it the way I want you to do it. So he made him sit on the bench. And he sat there now for a period and a half. Think about what you're doing. And he sure straightened him out, and he became a hell of a hockey player. And I'm saying to you, as you coaches, you've got young people in your hands, and you've got to be... You can't be... You, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very firm when I had my hockey school. If the kids didn't pay attention, I would say, here's your money, go home. And you know what? I got repeat business every, every year, and they paid attention. When they came there, they got their money's worth. Because you oh, only God. get an hour on the ice. You only get an hour on that ice. You better take advantage of it. I love that, Marty. I love that. I, I know a couple guys that uh, you coached a little bit uh out here at the junior team and they kind of said the same thing. You don't mess around when Marty's on the ice. It's all, you're having a good time, but it's all business. You're, you're making the most of it. So. Well, yeah, you got to have fun. I, I mean, I think I got to have fun. I mean, I like to have fun too, but yeah. when you're, when you're working out, you've got to get the whole shot in there. I'll tell you. No, I think that's great advice, Marty. I mean, you've got to be serious uh, and disciplined when, when the time comes, but you've got to enjoy doing it. Yeah. Enjoy the process as well. So I think that's great advice for the coaches out there and the players. Well, Marty, I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up here today. Unless you had any final thoughts, um, you know, we we really appreciate you coming on. I think it's a special occasion to hear um, from someone like yourself that's won so many uh, accolades, the Stanley Cups in the, in the in the league, and and to hear about your experience. So I really truly appreciate you sharing uh, sharing your stories with us. And you know, I think Danny and Vinny and I can could sit on here and listen to you all day. Um, so maybe, maybe we can do this again sometime in person and, uh, and oh, get you back on. Fine, yeah. Thank you so much, Marty. Before we go, you know, the name of the, the podcast, uh, the show here today is it's called the let's go hockey podcast. Uh, and what we do with our guests, Marty, is we usually have them give us a let's go to sign us off. Can you give us a let's go? Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> Marty, thank you so much. We, uh, we're going to let you go here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Um, and best of luck to you here. Hopefully we'll cross paths soon. Thanks a lot, Marty. Thank you, thank Danny. You. Thank you, Peter. I enjoyed it very much. Anytime for you, Peter. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> okay, Bill. Bye-bye. Marty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was uh, a true honor having you on and, and diving into some of your, your great memories from the days of the original six with the Red Wings. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was a really very, very special episode for me and for, for Vinny and for Danny and hopefully for everybody listening uh, to get a glimpse into, the, into you know, the foundation that our game was built on back, back uh, you know, 70 years ago. And uh, I think it was a pretty special episode. I'm really thankful, Marty, that you came on and joined us. Uh, but with that, here, why don't you get us rolling with the three stars of the night? What a way to put that. He, the, the foundation that our game was built on. Like, that's, uh, that's what this guy is. Like, he started hockey, it feels like. So, it was awesome to have you. Thank you very much, sir. I still have goosebumps whenever I think about 
our conversation, our podcast, but with our third star would have to be when we talked about him uh, playing in today's game and the idea that he, he knows he could play, he could skate just as well. And you see by some of the clips that we've thrown out on social media, like this guy could skate. And so his idea that he could play in today's NHL because shifts are 30 to 45 seconds long where, you know, someone in today's age come back and play when he played and start trying to take a two and a half, three minute shift and see what you're made of. Like that's a totally different ball game. And I love the competitiveness in this guy and he still has it at the age of 92 years old. And that leads right into second star when we asked him about his four Stanley Cups. I don't care what era you play in. I don't care what time it was or, or who you're playing against. I mean, he played against the Rocket Richard, so it was pretty tough. But he's won four Stanley Cups. And when we asked him about it, his first response was, I should have had three more. <laughs> and if I, if I could give anything to my kids, that would be the mindset. I, would, I mean, if I could give anything in the world, whether it cost money or didn't cost money or any of that stuff, I'd want them to have the mindset of like, hey, tell us about your four Stanley Cups. I should have had three more. That's what I want. Um, so Sophie, Timothy, my two kids, if you're listening to this down the road, hopefully you're developing that mindset. But that's where I'm at, Coach. What do you have for our first and final star of one of the greatest to ever do it? First star of the night was – it was a history lesson. Like we, being able to talk to someone that has been there and done that before majority of us were alive – and at the highest level of the game, I mean, we talked, we rattled through just a portion of what he did in, in, in 10 years. I mean, you know, you, you, you breathe the, you know, the word dynasty back in the fifties with the Red Wings and he was with the leader on that team and, you know, right, right alongside Ted Lindsay and Gordy Howe and Del Vecchio and um, Glenn Hall and, and Red Kelly. And it's just like Al Arbor, like the, the names are insane. Like they're the legends and the, like the pillars of the NHL history books. And, you know, so I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is like being able to really just tap into, into, you know, the history of our game and be like, you know, Marty was on the ice when the first octopus was, was thrown on the ice in Lewis arena in Detroit. Like how, how awesome is that? He was there and he knew those guys. Hockey and history. Hockey history you know, he's there the first time the Stanley cup was ever lifted. Like I went back and looked at pictures and he was right. Like they used to put the cup on center ice. The guys would take pictures around it and then they would just skate off the ice. And then his buddy, Ted Lindsay decides, no, forget that. I won this thing. I'm going to skate around with it. And he's the first guy That's to so lift. Awesome. Like, now everybody does that. That's the dream. You know, and the guy starts the NHL PA because he's not happy with how management's treating him. And he's, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's hard to put into words, but I think it's, it's, it was such a really cool opportunity to, to talk with Marty and, and hear about his experiences and, and learn from, uh, from him. And, and the reality is, is a lot of the takeaways from his mindset and what he did for training and what he did at his competitiveness and, and leadership and, you know, not being afraid to call out Gordie Howe, one of the best players of all time, <laughs> call him out for not trying hard enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are, those are takeaways that, you know, can be applied today in today's game and today in the workforce and in your family and in, in life. And I think that, you know, I found success at so many levels um, or at the highest level of our game. And it's because of those, the way that he did things. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm kind of rambling, but the reality is, is there's so much cool stuff in that, uh, that episode that uh, yeah. I hope you have the opportunity to talk to Marty again and dive into some uh, even more memories with, with uh, a lot of those legendary players and, and the game back in the day. Yeah. Um, Hockey. So, Hockey did to him what it could do to everybody. 
And I don't mean like Stanley Cups playing in the NHL, but the way it like shaped his life. And when he dove into like, yeah, I'm lucky. I work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, 300 and something days a year. Like it's not luck. Like he got what he got because he worked for it. He got what he got because he deserved it and earned it. And like, for me, he got hockey did what to him, what it could honestly do for anybody that plays our game. And so I got to stop talking before I start crying or goose. I got a whole mixture of emotions right now. I want to, I want to run through this wall right now. So it's, it's exciting. Thanks for setting that up. Like you said, hopefully we get him back on here uh, just for story time, grab some popcorn and let's go. So yeah. excited. Um, hit the like button. Uh, closing words, coach. Yeah. I got one more thing to add in there. You know, if anybody listens to every minute of that episode and after that, you don't think this guy should be in the hall of fame you're crazy. And so here's my request. Anybody that's still listening and we're going to put it out there. If anybody knows some people, the contacts, if we got any, any, any people involved with the hall of fame, let's, let's see what, what would it take to get Marty in there? Uh, you know, the guy in my, my eyes, he, he qualifies and he, he, he deserves a spot in the hall of fame. I mean, he was picking guys that were in the hall of fame for decades. Right. He was on the board that picked those guys. Why is that guy not in there? So I'd love to make a little, uh, make a campaign to support uh, Marty being added into the, the hockey hall of fame at some point in the future. I think we're going to have to readdress that. So if any, any listeners out there have, uh, have some ideas or, or, or I, um, you know, maybe start a petition, maybe make some phone calls, put some social media posts out there. Um, I kind of want to get Marty in the hall. We'll see what happens. Get Marty in the hall. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny, let's wrap this up, man. Uh, once you send us out of here. I love it. Awesome day. Awesome interview. Thanks again, Marty Pavlich. We appreciate you and uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Let us know how we can help. Let's go. And that is another episode of the let's go hockey podcast. Thanks everybody for listening to another week of the show. This was a special one with Marty and we really appreciate him coming on. So thank you again to him for making time for us. And hopefully you guys all enjoyed that one as much as myself, Pete and Danny. Um, we can't thank him enough. So really great stuff there. And we can't forget to thank our sponsor, HockeyWolf.com. If you haven't visited HockeyWolf.com, it's a crime against yourself as a hockey player. So go to HockeyWolf.com today, load up for everything to get back on the ice rinks across the country are reopening if they haven't in your town hopefully they will soon but hockey wolf has you covered for anything you need on and off the ice get your hockey accessories there and do not forget to check out their team sales options on their website their team sales program is second to none they'll help your squad get everything they need every time they hit the ice so remember that's h-o-c-k-e-y-w-o-l-f.com visit hockey wolf Support them because they support us. And thank you all for supporting us. We love you and we'll see you next time.